This Bible study podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. It's been a very spiritual morning already. Alyssa prayed an amazing prayer for me, and now Michelle, and I want to go to totally off track because we're going to meet a little humor. And so I'm going to bring you into my humor um, world this week. Um, this weather, I'm an Oregonian. I have webbed feet, but it's really getting down. And so I have a hard time finding places in which I can bring laughter. And that's how I really deal with a lot of life. So I'm going to bring you in and help you uh, laugh a little bit this morning. I went shopping the other day, and I don't go shopping. That's, it just, that's just the kiss of death for me. I don't like clothes shopping. I've got a fashionista for the youngest, and she goes, I really don't even know how I was born out of your body. And, and I go, well, I do, because I was there, and, and I know you were. <laughs> and um, so I was at Nordstrom Rack the other day, and, and I was looking at a couple tops and getting it. And, I'm on my, and I finally go, okay, well, I could just get these and, and uh, go home. And I'm going, Patsy, if you don't try these on, you know that you don't return things either. And so <laughs> go. And so on my way to the dressing room, I, um, I go, oh, I need one of those little shell tops that go underneath. And I just went to this and grabbed it. And, and I'm like, okay, this is good. And okay, you can do it, girl. You, you know you love this and just go in. And so, well, I'll put the shell top on first. So I'm getting it. And it's kind of a little tight, but I'm like... Okay, it's been a long winter, and you have not exercised like you should. So literally, I get it this far, and it just like stuck right here, and it's like rolled here. And then it's bringing my bra clear up to here, and I'm like, I mean, the look in the, and I'm the only one in my dressing room. I literally had to sit down because I, the, the look's not good, and I'm laughing so hard that I literally had to sit down, cross my legs, and go, oh my gosh, and so I'm going, I can do this, Jesus, I can do this, because I can't pull it back up, and so, because it's so twisted, so I'm like, I'm going, and I'm getting it down, and I'm like, whoa, this is good, so try the tops on. I'm like, okay, fine, great. We'll go with that. And I pull it off. It's spank. I did not know that it was one of those suck you in at some places. I brought it home with me. It's good. It's good. But I was just so, I'm, and another lady is next to me. I'm like, please do not have her look under and see that it's only me in this laughing hysterically. So there's your visual. There's your visual. So, um. And as I got up early this morning to meet with, meet with Jesus, and I, um, I live up a little higher than we do here. And as I was looking, we actually had blue sky this morning. And um, as I looked up, and I saw a plane going through, and the, and the sun was just shining off of it. And um, us Oregonians look up, and I'm like, you know, Lord, I know the blue sky is there. But we are so covered with the clouds that we can't see that but we need to have faith in you as well, that you are there even though we can't see you in all things. Um, my daughter uh, went with me, um, Alessa and Lindsay and I, and, and attended the IF gathering at uh, Colossae Church uh, this weekend. And I was totally humbled thinking that I was going to come and speak to you this morning after listening to these amazing speakers. But um, 
my daughter Jessica and I were going, and she said, well, you're going to like this. Uh, Hannah, her daughter, um, uh, is seven. She goes, you know, Mom, I can't figure out why Jesus felt that he needed Papa in heaven more than Grandma and I need him. And I'm like, the kid has every, I can, I'll do all things for her. She just gets to my heart. But the thing is, Hannah was three when Jim passed. The memories of who she is is from what her mama says, what her aunts say, and what I say. And so we are, as ladies in this room, called and challenged to do the same about our Jesus to others. As much as Hannah doesn't really know her papa, she knows him through us. All of us living today are on the backside of history's most epic event, Christ's death and resurrection. Christ's death and resurrection. The old is gone and the new has come. Read with me if you want to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Awesome passage, packed, full, challenging, comforting, encouraging. So from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, there's the hinge, lady, therefore. A couple of truths to park in, but the therefore. There's always action after a truth we hear. Therefore, if any wasn't in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, another hinge, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just praise your mighty name this morning. Lord, as I had a peek of the blue sky and of the promises and of the sun, reminded me of your son and what he has done for us. Lord, I confess, Lord, in the, in the week that since we've even gathered here this Tuesday, I have been battered and bruised and waves have come to and from, Lord but you have sustained me in that. And at times in which I doubted, in times in which the futility of just things, Lord, you girded me up. Lord, we do lift up to you so many things today. You know them already before they even pass from my lips. You know the physical pain. You know the emotional pain. You know the spiritual pain. Lord, we lift these up to you. And Lord, we give you thanks for your son and for the season of Lent that we are pausing out of the busyness of our life 
to focus entirely and that we were just but dust and yet you instilled in us your spirit so that we might have hope for that Easter day. Lord, be with us this morning. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. John Ortberg, from his Bible study, Serving from the Heart, says, From our first moments of life, we are weighed, measured, and scored. It starts in the hospital minutes after our first breath. Remember when we have waited anxiously for the news of a newborn? How much did he or she weigh? What was the size of her head? How long was she? Why? Because we were going to compare. Was she big as big sister, her little brother? Was she the same size? What was it, Lord? And we compared. We put a label on it. Remember uh, when uh, first, uh, let's see. Remember our study, So Long Security, from Beth Moore? I was hunting for that book uh, the other day. She starts the study by saying, our culture has thrown us under the bus, us ladies, in this saturated of comparison. But what we found, and as we studied it, and as we grumbled through it, and as we had to look at some hard things about us and others, we discovered the kind of soul-deep security that stands fast in the floodwaters of this image-saturated society. In verse 16, at the very start in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, So from now on we regard no one from the worldly point of view, but we fall on that slippery slope every day. In Jeremiah 17, 5-8, it says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man who depends on the flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, not ourselves, but in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Psalm 38. I love this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The minute we take refuge in anything else but, we will be parched, we will be thirsty, we will not be bearing fruit. As our life goes on, we learn almost by osmosis that rewards follow good behavior. By the same token, we come to understand that poor performance in almost any area of our life will bring scowls rather than praise from peers teachers, coaches, and even our parents. Trained rats run through a maze as fast as they can because they have learned that they get a food pellet as a reward. Humans 
play their own game of rat race. We perform, we strive, we work, we study, and at the end of each maze, we push a little lever, and out comes our reward pellet. It's just the way life works. There's no free lunch. You get what you deserve. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Then God comes into our cause and effect world and messes with the whole process. We believe people should get what they deserve, and Jesus dares to offer freely what we could never earn. The Bible is filled with reminders that the way of Jesus is radically counterculture. In verse 17, it says, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. As we can read in the Bible and Acts, and before Paul's conversion, he viewed Jesus through worldly eyes, failing to understand the meaning and the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection in a big way. I, too, as a little girl, did not grow up in a Christian home, and I viewed Jesus with worldly eyes. I never doubted that God existed. I never doubted that Jesus was his son. I just failed to understand what Jesus' life meant for me. So from now on, we regard no one from our worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ as they, we do so no longer. We could camp out in those two verses for a long time. Paul knew what he was talking about here. In Acts 7, here is Paul, formerly Saul, watching Stephen being stoned to death, stoned to death while Stephen's clothes laid at his feet. On the conference that we attended this weekend, one of the teachers uh, pointed out that Stephen was the lunch lady. Folks, chosen by the 12 disciples, just as we started with developing the church, the 12 disciples realized they could not do all pieces of the church, and so they asked Stephen and six others to join him to make sure that the widows and the people were being fed. Stephen was not only the lunch lady, but he was a man that knew who his God was. He was full of God's grace and his power, and he did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Remember, formerly, Saul was breeding murderous threats against the Lord's disciples in Acts 9, just before his conversion. He was on his way to do more harm. God chose Paul, just like he has chose you, to be his chosen instrument to carry his name. Paul to the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel, you and I to our communities that we live in. Paul knew what it was to stand in judgment, not only of others, but of Christ himself. He knew what that was, the old, the Saul. God chose Paul, not the other way around. Sometimes we think we're the ones that are doing the choosing. And Stephen, the lunch lady, was full of the Spirit and wisdom. Therefore, 
Here's the hinge. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We are challenged to see others not by the worldview, but to see eyes from our heart. Kelly Minter asked two compelling questions. How much do you and I believe Jesus can change us? And secondly, how much do you and I believe Jesus can change someone else? I would hope that you hunkered down in those two questions for yourself. It does not rely on us, but on the power of Christ. I want to give you freedom in that. It does not rely on you, but the power of Christ. We can fall back in a nanosecond to relying solely on our power to change and our power to change someone else. Weighing our life and others, measuring our successes and others, and scoring our victories and others. That is the old. And it is gone. Don't let it trip you up. In Ephesians 1, 18-21, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened in order that they would know the hope to which God had called them. Ladies, I pray that as well, and just as much for me as you. God has called you and I to the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us. We have it. Who believe? The power is like the working of his mighty strength, not ours, but his, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We possess that here. And he has placed them, seated them at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power. Listen to the power and dominion, all above all authority that we have today that we face about power and dominion and every title that can be given. Every title. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church. We are the church body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Not some, not a few, but he fills us in everything, in every way. We are made alive in Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. We are made alive in Christ. Don't fall asleep, ladies. Don't be fooled into thinking you have no power to change what is before you today. You are a new creation. The old is gone. Don't let it trip you up. God has called you and I, you and I, in our sphere of influence for today. Not tomorrow. Today. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The grand theme of the Bible is reconciliation. We only have to read about four pages into the Bible, approximately 500 words, before we see mankind leap into sin and experience separation from God and each other. Yet the whole of the rest of Scripture discloses God's incredible plan to bring back to himself a human race that willfully walked away from him. The gospel is both vertical and horizontal. 
bringing reconciliation between God and human beings by the gift of Christ, and the horizontal bringing peace between individual people and groups. That's the amazing hope of the gospel. So there's no, no reason why Christians can't experience complete relational health with each other. And to the extent it depends on them with non-Christians. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, for as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We don't have to suffer with broken relationships. And we don't have to live the way the world does. Kelly Mander goes on to say, we can be put side by side against the goodness and purity of God without, we can't be put side by side against the goodness and purity of God without our sin being exposed. It raises it to the surface. This is where you and I need to roll up our sleeves because you're going to get dirty. You and I have been changed by the gospel. Love, harmony, and unity are supposed to fill our lives. Unfortunately, we often fall short. So many people identify us as Christians, not by how we get along. Breaks my heart, but how divided we are. Whenever Christians fight at home, in church, in any arena, everyone watches and thinks, They're no different from the rest of us. Just knowing the right thing to do never brings peace. We all know we should love. We all know we should lay down our rights. We can't admit that, we have to admit that we can't, in our own strength, obey God's commands. That's the old. As frustrating as that inability is, we have hope. God would never promise us love and healthy relationships if we didn't give us a path to get there. God doesn't say, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But you're never going to get there because you're so evil. That's not the God we serve. He gives us the path, and it's the gospel. If we simply receive the gift of reconciliation with God and then go about our lives as if it's up to everyone else to figure it out for themselves, and this is the hard work and this is the joy, we miss the joy, the adventure, and the point of all together. What keeps you from sharing? sharing the message of reconciliation with others. What keeps you from sharing? Don't let the enemy tell you the old lies. Walk in the freedom of knowing who Christ is and share. Be reconciled. He calls us to be Christ's ambassadors. I went in and looked at the um, definition of ambassador, and wow. It's not only to come and 
share the good news, but it's to be, it's action. It's moving in. We're going on an errand, and that errand doesn't stop until we meet Jesus face to face. It's an interpreter. To interpret who Christ is to us and through his word to those that don't know it. This is a name used by the apostles as deadening those who are appointed by God to declare his will. We were about that, ladies. Declaring, interpreting. The Hebrew, on various occasions and for various purposes, had resources to the services of ambassadors. Truth can be speaking in love, and truth can be speaking as hard truths in order to discipline others and to show them a different way, just as Christ does for us. In 2 Samuel 10.5, it even shows where it says, to do injury to an ambassador was to insult the king who sent him. The king who sent him. The king who sent us. Second Corinthians 6, 1 through 10. Let's take a look at that. As God fellows workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of thy favor, I heard you. And in the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Underline the word now in your Bibles, lady. Now. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It is now. Now. Today. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, in imprisonment, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. The day of God's favor and the day of salvation are right now if you're still breathing. How many sleepless nights have you recently recently lost because of your faith, Patsy? Have you gone hungry for me, Patsy? What hardships have you experienced for my name, Patsy? Has trouble been at your door for standing firm? 
ask those questions to you as well. We can argue, but that's Paul. So different than my situation and life circumstances. We possess the same power as Paul. What are you going to do with it? Quench it or light it up? Paul demonstrated through his ministry of heart of sincerity. It was simple, plain, and straightforward. That's all we need to be about, ladies. He knew his Savior. And he knew his beloved Corinthians. He had spent time with them. He knew their strengths and he knew their weaknesses. Time. Are you willing to share some of your time? It's a precious commodity. We're also racing, always racing on to the next thing. We're struggling to be present in the moment. He had extreme patience. He showed us how to love because Jesus showed him how to love. Long-suffering and enduring people that were difficult or slow to change. Experienced any of that with anyone? Has Jesus experienced it with you? He was kind. He helped them understand more and more what it was to be Christ-like. He was generous with his time. Are we? Are we generous of our time? Now, what about those prickly pears in your life? Those that have hurt you with their words or actions. Those that have hurt someone that you love. Those that have been critical of us without all the facts. Those who have betrayed us or unfairly accused us. How's your pure heart there? How's your knowledge of Jesus there? Your patience, your kindness? How are those working for you in those scenarios? Ladies, here's the great news. If I couldn't pack more into this, in reality, Paul nor we can come by purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness without supernatural help. It is not in us from our own. That's from the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and that's the deposit he gave us. I've experienced being unfairly accused of something just this past week. That hurt down to my toes. It brought anger, defensiveness, discouragement, and a feeling of futility. It brought back memories from my past and the words pinned in a letter from my dad that crushed me. Words are powerful, and even more powerful when they are written down. The human side of me wants to scream and pout and stop my feet of the injustice of it all, just like Pastor Mike showed us on Sunday. But the spiritual side says to me, stand firm. The song that came to my lips and so much of, of uh, as I thought and prayed through that, and it took me an afternoon, and I had to stop, and I had to pull away because it hurt. But the verses and the, the song that came to me was, Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well. 
Because when our eyes are focused on what is before us, now someone has heard us. Just as I looked up at the sky and I did not see the blue, and I know it's there, and the clouds rolled over, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And ladies, our eyes need to be on him. Always, always. Psalm 1, 19, 37, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word, Lord. Let it not be of what others say of me or think of me, whether unjust or rightly so, but let my eyes turn away from worthless things. Psalm 125, 1, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. On the top of the mountain, preserve my life according which cannot be shaken, but endures forever because our feet are firmly planted on Jesus Christ. Just like Peter in Matthew 14, Jesus said, come. And he says, come to you and I, come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink He cried out, Lord, save me, immediately. Not watching him go sink slowly, like, well, you need to learn your lesson, Peter. I told you to trust in me. Are you choking there a little? Oh, that's too bad. I told you, but immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And I had a momentary doubt when I got the hurtful words. Momentary doubt. I was like, God, do you have this? Do you have this? It was good intentions behind that act. The Holy Spirit enables us to sincerely love those who hurt us. To speak in truth because it comes from the power of God. And as I was able to hear the Spirit, I was able to pray for that person. And the defensiveness and the hurt and the anger melted away. All day, every day, an invisible war rages around us. A cunning, devilish enemy seeks to wreak havoc on everything that matters to us. Our mind, our family, and our future. You and I must have an action plan, a personalized strategy to secure victory for the next attack that comes our way. Because I guarantee you, ladies, it will. She left us with Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. If you turn that with me, I love it. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Not strong in ourselves, but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remind yourself that. The first awake moment you have in the morning and the last that you have when you tuck yourself into bed. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes because he is scheming. He wants the doubts, the frustrations, and the anger. 
and he wants us to be divided. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. There. Here's the hinge. Therefore, therefore, what are you going to do today, ladies? Therefore, you have a choice. You leave today. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, be right with the Lord. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes for a gospel of peace, be at peace with him. Be at peace with others. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame er- flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take this and print it. Open it up. Keep one in your car. Take it to work on break. Keep it in front of you. And pray in the Spirit on all, oca- on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And here's Paul, our mighty Paul. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's pray. Lord, I pray as well that each time we open our mouths, that our words would be not from fear, but courage that you give us to share the good news. Lord, may we be ambassadors of the gospel in our homes, with our spouse, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our neighbors, with our church. We love you, Lord. And we, as we again are reminded of the sacrifice you made this week as we celebrate Ash Wednesday tomorrow, on Wednesday, tomorrow night, may we pause and stop and grieve so that on the other side, when we rejoice on Easter morning, to know the knowledge that we serve a resurrected king and that you did not leave us but instilled in us the counselor, the comforter. And so when the wind and waves come, we may stand firm on the foundation of who you are. Be with us in our discussions around the table, Lord. 
a time that you'd be glorified and honored in all that we say and do. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.